Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about CanadaLand and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support CanadaLand. We need you to... And so for this month and this month only, you can become a CanadaLand supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This Wednesday is Bell Let's Talk Day, when the telecom giant raises money and awareness for mental health. On that day, Bell will donate five cents to mental health initiatives every time you promote their company via text, tweet, or other social media interaction. As they put it, when it comes to mental health, every action counts. The action that we've taken on Bell Let's Talk Day in the past is to point out the ways in which Bell harms people's mental health. In 2016, journalist Karen K. Ho wrote a piece for us titled, Let's Talk About How My Job at Bell Gave Me Mental Health Issues and No Benefits. Another year, we ran a piece by former Bell Media radio host Maria McLean titled, Let's Talk About How Bell Fired Me After I Asked for Mental Health Leave. And today we have another story about how Bell might not be practicing what it preaches when it comes to mental health. But before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit 
about why we keep doing these stories. It's not like Bell is alone in having issues when it comes to employee mental health. Lots of companies can be criticized for that. The initial reason why we singled Bell out is because those stories were about Bell Media, and media is our focus. But as you'll hear, today's story has nothing to do with Bell Media. It has to do with CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. That is a trendy slogan these days among the biggest companies in the world. It's actually more than a slogan. To some, it's an ethos, a practice. Some even call it a movement. It's become a multi-billion dollar industry unto itself. There's nothing particularly new about companies donating money to charity, and there's nothing new about them trying to look good by doing so. But over the last couple of decades, many companies have figured out how to fully integrate their PR goals, their advertising, their marketing, their very brands with their CSR missions. Ideally, corporate social responsibility would have companies tying their profits to their ethics, competing with each other to see who could do the most good, and diverting vast sums of otherwise private profits into good works that benefit everybody. But in practice, CSR can have the opposite effect, simply distracting the public from the socially irresponsible practices of corporations. The same companies that make billions doing harm can spend millions and look like heroes. At its worst, CSR is just a lie that protects companies from public outrage and the consequences of public outrage, namely taxation and regulation. For years, Volkswagen's CSR narrative was environmentalism. Their slogan was clean diesel, and Volkswagen boasted of vehicles that emit 90% lower emissions than gasoline cars. How much cover did that narrative give Volkswagen for the fact that in reality, its cars were spewing out 4,000% more nitrogen oxide than the legal limit? And how many more Volkswagens did they sell to environmentally conscious consumers because of that CSR campaign? When corporate social responsibility goes wrong, up is down and down is up. Hershey's isn't a company exploiting child labor in its supply chain. It's a company loudly leading the charge for fair trade chocolate and then quietly missing every target that it commits to. All too often, CSR is not about a company changing its practices. It's about a company changing its story. And that's why every corporate social responsibility campaign is a media story. Today's story is about phone calls from prison. Earlier this month, a group called the Toronto Prisoners' Rights Project tweeted out, Bell, let's talk about the prison phone contract. What followed was an expose on a little-known practice with a big impact on mental health. In 2013, Bell won a contract to handle all phone calls from Ontario prisons. The system that they installed placed major limitations on who prisoners could call. Almost every cell phone was off-limits, as were most services, such as addiction hotlines. And the system put major fees on the calls the prisoners could make, could cost up to $30 for a 20-minute call. Those fees were not paid by the prisoners, but by the people on the other end of those phone calls, the friends and families of inmates. 
You might think that as the client that hired Bell to manage their phone system, the Ministry of Community Safety and Correctional Services would have had every incentive to drive down the cost of communication. But instead, the ministry got a cut of Bell's revenue, in effect taxing their inmates' families. Some people have been stuck with phone bills in the thousands of dollars. And on the other end, prisoners cannot reach most people at all and they have disincentives to communicate with the people who they can contact. The result of all that has impacts on the mental health of a lot of people, and not just prisoners. And in at least one case, it resulted in a death. My guest today, Suhail Benslamain, is a former inmate who has experienced this system firsthand. Today, he is the coordinator and co-founder of the Jail Accountability and Information Hotline, which is run by the Criminalization and Punishment Education Project. He's also the co-author of a report on Bell's prison phone contract, and he will be talking to me from his office at the University of Ottawa. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Steve Pakin, Pippa Rogers, Christian Fletcher, Jeremy Greenberg, Malik Musla, David Del Grande, Ian Boyce, and Danny. Hello, my name is Danny and I live and work in Toronto, Ontario. I support Canada Land because I find that a lot of Canadian media is either soft on Canadian matters or heavily focused on American ones. I love how critical Canada Land is when examining the Canadian media, and it's something that we need more of. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. My name is Suhail Ben-Sliman, and I'm the coordinator of the Jail Accountability and Information Line. So, Hale, your colleagues at the Toronto Prisoners' Rights Project, they're 
Twitter thread went viral. They got an incredible amount of public attention and support when they recently called out Bell. Mm-hmm. Bell advocates for mental health. They do. They have this huge annual campaign, Let's Talk. And according to Toronto Prisoner Rights Project, and according to yourself and a lot of your advocacy work, there's a hypocrisy there because while they've been advocating for mental health, they simultaneously have been, quote, destroying mental health conditions in prisons since 2013. Mm-hmm. How are they destroying mental health conditions in prisons? For prisoners, access to a, a telephone is a, is a lifeline. And um, the prohibitive and outdated system that is in place, that is managed by Bell Canada, prohibits prisoners from talking to their families and their loved ones. A lot of people who are incarcerated have families on the outside, and a lot of families on the outside cannot afford the price that is associated with making those phone calls from jails and prisons uh, in Ontario. The price is very high for a local call is a dollar a call. For a long distance call, the price can go up to $30 for a 20 minute phone call. We know that a lot of people are criminalized because of mental health conditions and um, folks who find themselves in that situation are um, further isolated by the telephone system. Uh, We know, for example, uh, in the case of um, a gentleman who passed uh, at the Ottawa Carlton Detention Center, Cleve Geddes. Cleve was someone who is uh, living with mental illness. He experienced a mental health uh, breakdown or or distress. So uh, what happened is that the police was called and uh, he was ordered uh, to go to a mental health institution. However, Given the scarce uh, resources in Ontario, obviously we see governments gutting uh, social services and social supports. He was supposed to go to a mental health institution, but uh, he ended up in OCDC because they didn't have enough beds for for this person to go to this uh, institution. So while he was there, he was in segregation. He was in segregation. While he was in segregation, he was asking uh, to talk to his family. Uh, because that's uh, his only supports that would alleviate. And um, he was begging and begging for the phone calls. His sister called the jail to talk to him. And finally, uh, there was a guard uh, after numerous you know, requests that allowed him to use the phone to talk to his sister briefly. But that wasn't enough because the damage was already done. There were no meaningful mental health support uh, within uh, the human cage. Uh, and um, it was too late. He was uh, taken out of segregation, went back to pop and uh, he ended up dying by suicide there. So in most extreme cases, we know that the isolation uh, at the jails and the prisons either creates or exacerbates uh, mental health illnesses and, and conditions. And the phone system is one of those factors that com- has a compounding effect uh, to that isolation and exacerbates those conditions and sometimes leads to death. Can you can you explain how that system works? I, I confess I only know what I've seen from movies and TV shows, you know, prisoners lining up to use the phone. You mentioned that it's expensive for the recipient of the phone call, but maybe you could just tell me 
in your view, what what the problems are with the system and how the system itself works for for making calls from from prison? Yeah, of course. So uh, in the provincial jails, you have these telephone. Uh, they look like public telephones. So the same bell public telephones that you see on the outside are the machines that they have inside. People have to go to those phones. They're on the range. They're usually on the living units. Depends where you are situated. If you are in segregation, you have less access to those uh, telephones. Uh, depending which segregation you're in at the Ottawa Carlton Detention Center, for example, sometimes people have access to that machine only 20 minutes each two or three days. So you'd have to dial a number that takes collect calls and a number that accepts collects calls are usually landlines or pre-approved numbers. So the ministry has a common access list that allows incarcerated persons to call certain service providers, such as, for example, John Howard Society. You can call those numbers or landlines or cell phones which have a third-party plan. So if your family, for example, know that you're incarcerated and they direly want to talk to you and they have the resources, they can take up a third-party plan and pay for it on top of their cell phone plan to allow them to uh, accept collect calls on their cell phones. The bills are very high and you're limited to 20 minutes. Families who accept the calls are billed on a monthly basis and those bills can range from a couple hundred dollars up to thousands of dollars a month as we highlighted in our report based on the bill that was shared with us by a mother of an incarcerated person who was at the Ottawa Carlton Detention Center for three months innocent until proven not guilty because all charges had been dropped in his in his file in his case and for three months um, the woman who's living in a residential retirement home was billed six thousand dollars to talk to her son for three months can i ask you to reflect on this from a personal perspective because you've been imprisoned and i'm wondering in your own experience what were the mental health impacts of having your communications limited yeah so when i was incarcerated i was fortunate enough to have uh, family members who were able to assume uh, the costs associated with talking to me bills uh, ranging from 400 to 800 dollars a month uh, to talk to my family and uh, for me uh, those 20 minute phone calls were basically some relief uh, from the situation what I was in uh, I was able to call my loved ones call my friends and um, escape uh, the conditions of confinement for a little bit because we have to remember that, remember that is a very stressful environment uh, it is very violent you stripped away from all the agency that you can ex exert uh, or most of it and some things like talking to your family is where um, you want to express uh, that agency and uh, sometimes that's weaponized as well uh, uh, it's weaponized against prisoners for example who are in segregation uh, who uh, try to access the phone call and uh, sometimes the prison staff uh, refuse them uh, because for example like if a person have or seem to have some quote-unquote behavioral issues uh, or uh, have a not-so-friendly uh, interactions with guards. Uh, some guards uh, go out of their way 
and deprive those prisoners from uh, talking to their loved ones. And even just the fact that you have to ask uh, numerous times and uh, when you're in segregation uh, for the phone and see that right being denied, uh, it takes a toll on you. Uh, it, it is very dehumanizing. When you're in segregation, sometimes you have to use the phone. When I was there, you have to use the phone from a hatch. So there's an opening in a door. So you have to uh, kneel on your knees and stick your hand out of the hatch and dial the number you want to call. And the phone is brought in front of your cell in these carts, in these big metal carts. And then you have to talk to them through the, the hatch. Uh, so just the uh, how... Uh, you place those calls is also, uh, you know, in, in a way it, it is uh, very degrading. Uh, but now in segregation, it is a little bit changed. Segregation have been changed in Ontario uh, jails. Uh, for example, they closed some of the segregation what I was in and they turned it into those small ranges. So you have access to the phone uh, on a living unit. So you can step out of your cell and call. However, you have the same restrictions about the price and the numbers that you can call and such. You told me that you were fortunate enough to have family that um, that could take on those costs, uh, which must have been a huge comfort to you. Um, did you witness people who did not have that same comfort? Did you see firsthand the impact on people's mental health that that loss of communication had? Yeah, of course. I saw people who lost uh, loved ones because of that. Some people who had partners on the outside but uh, broke up with their partners because of the prohibitive and outdated uh, telephone system. I know parents who were not able to talk to their children. You know, just uh, the most mundane things that a human being does. For example, some uh, woman is incarcerated and uh, just want to uh, feed her cats. She has cats. She was uh, incarcerated. She has cats and she uh, is living by herself. She basically tells us that, hey, I just want someone to go uh, feed my cats and I can't reach my landlord because this phone system is dysfunctional. I can't reach my partner and uh, we'll have to basically facilitate that. So call her landlord, call her partner and coordinate that her uh, partner goes to the landlord, picks up the keys and then goes, you know, it's a lot of coordination that has to take place. And uh, I, I tell you like also like from the family perspective, I saw a lot of families uh, coordinating calls for their loved ones from inside became like a job, like a part-time job. You have your loved one inside who's calling you about every single task that uh, like a regular human being who's outside of the walls uh, have to do. Like, for example, paying their taxes, uh, calling their bank, uh, paying their mortgages. You know, it becomes like a part-time job for their loved ones on the inside, on the outside. If uh, people had access to a meaningful way to maybe complete uh, those tasks that they uh, have to do in order to live their lives normally, they wouldn't take up so much of the time of their loved ones on the outside and that creates a lot of tensions so you know the 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 idea that in canada we go to prison as punishment nor for punishment is a myth we go to prison for punishment we're punished day and night and that's what happens and the telephone system is a compounding system that uh, uh, does not make uh, life of prisoners and their families easier i don't know what the etiquette is but i i uh... I have to ask you questions that I know my listener wants to know and that I'm curious about. Can, are you comfortable talking about why you were in prison? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Uh, I was in prison uh, a couple of times. I was in uh, in jail, uh, provincial jail for trafficking drugs. 
and uh, then I was there for an assault, and then I came back on some gun-related charges. There are people who are going to say to all of the things you describe, yeah, you don't have the same freedom as people who are free. That's because it's jail. And Mm. you went to jail, you went to prison for serious things. And the point of prison is not that you should feel great and have everything that everybody else has. And there are more important things than making sure that uh, we put resources and, and the government takes on the costs associated in it. That we, that there are other people out there who are more worthy of resources and consideration mm-hmm. for their well-being, their health in every mm-hmm. way, and, and that prison's not supposed to be comfortable and you say it's dehumanizing. Well, that's kind of the point. You're removed from your freedoms because, you've, you've, uh, because of what you've done. That, 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 that's uh, something that I think is a, a, a fairly popular feeling about these about prisoner rights issues in general. I'm wondering if you could, if you could respond to that. Yeah, that's a fair question. You know, what I have to say to that is, first of all, uh, no one deserves to be dehumanized. Whatever they do, whatever they do, everyone should be held accountable. I agree. However, the systems that we have in place at the moment to hold people accountable, uh, first of all, don't work. They cost taxpayers a lot of money and uh, they're ineffective and they are state violence. Uh, So what we do, I... And I, for example, I assaulted someone. So what does the state do is assault me in return. Do you think that violence solves violence? That's that's what the kind of communities we want to create. Or we want to create communities that foster uh, care and support each other uh, when there is uh, uh, people who, who slip up. So me, I just think it's about what kind of communities we want to foster or what kind of communities we want to create. And if we think, you know, when someone makes a mistake that we have all the rights uh, to uh, dehumanize them, uh, to beat them, uh, to give them uh, food that is inedible, making them starve in prisons... I think that's not fair. That's not the kind of society I would like to live in. I would like to live in a fair society that is also empathic and takes people's hands when they need them and not relegate them to the fringes more than they are relegated to. Uh, Already, most people who end up in jail are uh, people who are already marginalized. And quite frankly, uh, when I was incarcerated in the beginning, I was incarcerated for very small things like discharge of a pellet gun, possession of marijuana. And then what happens is when you put kids who are teenagers or who are just young adults through the system, you're not saving them. You're not engaging in zero uh, rehabilitation. What you're doing is that you're putting kids through a system that is going to make them worse than they came in. Most of kids, when they come through the system, if they are coming with a, a possession charge, later down the road, they'll be coming back for an attempted murder. And I see that over happening over and over again. We're losing our future to the prisons and the jails, and we have to do something about it. Can I add something very quickly? It is shown by sociological studies that uh, people who keep in touch with their families and the loved ones are less likely to re-engage in the same behaviors that brought them to jails and prison in the first place. So basically, the government every year pays $85,000 to keep people incarcerated in provincial jails and prisons in Ontario. If we assume the cost of telecommunication, we automatically reduce 
the chances of people uh, re-engaging in the same behaviors that led us as Ontarians to pay 85 grand a year. So if we pay less now for a free cost-free telecommunication system for prisoners, we're going to reap greater benefits. But if we decide to keep this uh, a cost-based uh, uh, system, we're going to ensure that we are going to pay more. So we either pay less now or pay more later. $85,000 a year per prisoner. Following Cleve Getty's death, the coroner's inquest in, tw- in 2018 recommended fixing this phone system. So it was recognized that this was broken and had to be fixed. Did Bell implement that recommendation? There are dozens and dozens of coroner's inquest uh, recommendations that go unresolved. Uh, Most of them, I would say, uh, by the Ministry of the Solicitor General or by Bell Canada, uh, but mostly by the Ministry of Solicitor General anyways, those requests are basically fall on deaf ears. Uh, It's not surprising that there were no changes after the inquest into the death uh, in custody of of, of Cleve Geddes. Maybe now the ministry want, want to do something about it when they announce that they are going to uh, make the, fa- the, the the price more reasonable. However, we hear from prisoners at the jail hotline that even if the government makes the price of telecommunication more affordable or more reasonable in their own term, they are not going to be able to afford it because people inside don't have access to jobs, can't work. And if they provide them with virtual calling cards, people can afford it still. And this is confirmed by incarcerated people. What's the jail hotline? The jail hotline is a community initiative that takes calls from the Ottawa Carlton Detention Center, which is the Ottawa jail. We are a community initiative that has two components. One of them is accountability. The other one is information. The accountability components is the part of the hotline that works in solidarity with incarcerated people in order to bring some accountability to the system. And the information part of the line is a very broad description. Uh, At the hotline, we work with law students and lawyers in order to provide uh, legal information for incarcerated people. Uh, We support some folks in certain uh, legal procedures that they're undergoing. We provide people with other information that they can access because they have no access to internet. We also hope Uh, to keep families connected and keep people who are incarcerated connected to service providers in the outside, such as lawyers, such as bail houses, bail programs, mental health support, indigenous uh, service providers, and the like. Okay, so the the picture you're painting is is sad, and I'm convinced that there's a mental health issue there. Why is that Bell's fault? I mean, the restrictions on prisoners' freedom, my mind would go immediately to the prison, right, or to the ministry. Why would Bell be the one to point a finger at uh, in, in, in this case? First of all, because Bell is profiting from that. They're making money. They're not doing this benevolently, installing the system in a jail. There was a process by which uh, there was some uh, bidding. Uh, they uh, they, bet, they bid on the project uh, when the ministry put it forward. And it's not the fault of Bell only. Uh, there is a couple actors who are complicit. Uh, Bell, they're making money out of this project, and they are giving kickbacks to the Ministry of the Solicitor General. The Ministry of the Solicitor General have even a greater responsibility than Bell Canada to ensure that people under their uh, 
quote-unquote care uh, are served in an effective and meaningful way. And the other uh, you know, body that is also complicit in this, maybe unknowingly, maybe knowingly, is the CRTC, because the CRTC are the body that uh, approves uh, long-distance rates, and the CRTC they approved the long-distance rate that Bell Canada is using to charge incarcerated uh, persons' families uh, these huge thousands of dollars bills. Is this just profiteering? Like, when I think about, like, phone calls, even long-distance, like, it's basically... There's no reason why long distance should cost more than local calls. There's no like collect calls is the least efficient, most expensive way. Nobody makes collect mm-hmm. calls anymore. Government wants contracts with private sector that are efficient and are not expensive. So the only reason why I can imagine a collect call system being the system is because the ministry gets a percentage of what Bell gets. So it, it does seem like an alliance to make money off of some very vulnerable people. Yeah, so we know that there is the existence of the prison industrial complex. So the prison industrial complex is the ways in which uh, corporations and are, are are in, you know, collusion with the the governments uh, in order to reap profits out of uh, the plight that incarcerated persons and criminalized people face uh, in uh, in what is known as Canada or in the United States or or everywhere so uh, the ministry i think there with with the amount of resources that they have uh, they they probably can come up with a better analysis than a couple people from the university uh, were able to the conclusion that a couple people from the university were able to come to. And I think that uh, the ministry was not unaware that there are families who pay thousands of dollars a month to stay in contact with their uh, family. I'm not sure if they did that on purpose or not, but it sounds like and it looks like they have done that on purpose to some point, especially when you read the contract between them and Bell Canada and you see that they are receiving kickbacks in the process. Uh, it's hard you know, not to say that it is a, it is on purpose that uh, this gouging uh, have been uh, happening, and uh, now the ministry is coming out and saying basically like, oh, uh, after uh, efforts of prisoners for uh, decades probably and and their families, and now with some advocates uh, mounting pressures from different advocates here in Ontario, they came out and say, oh, we're gonna change. Uh, the price and we're going to make it more reasonable. Uh, In 2020, they're going to make the price of telecommunication more reasonable in in jails and they're going to allow for some international telecommunications. Uh, We see that as a a piecemeal solution. Uh, It's not going to bring any real benefits uh, to the phone system that we have at the moment. And uh, companies are still going to be turning a profit from offering telecommunication within the jails. What ultimately is your message to Bell? What do you have to say to Bell for looking good on mental health and trying to encourage people to take it seriously uh, and give money to it and and have conversations about it while they themselves, in your view, are having such a destructive uh, and and profiteering on on basically the backs of people's uh, mental illness? I think that Bell Canada uh, has to reconsider their approach to uh, prison telecommunications. Uh, they have to sit down with, with their accomplice, the Ministry of the Solicitor General, and uh, you know, 
tell them that they have to make telecommunication cost-free, uh, at least take up that position publicly, make telecommunication cost-free, increase or eliminate the 20-minute uh, mark, and uh, allow people to call cell phones and landlines, um, any cell phone or any landline uh, on, on Canada, in Canada. Uh, I think that's their position. If they want to be real champions of mental health, uh, they cannot discriminate uh, who they're going to champion the cause for. Um, and uh, I think that uh, that's their step. And I think that the ministry have also like a great responsibility uh, on Bell at Stock Day or, or uh, going forward until the contract is renewed uh, to make telecommunication cost-free for prisoners and their families. So, hell, thank you. No worries. Take care. We sent a series of questions to Bell asking them about this. We asked them why they didn't change their phone system, as the coroner's inquest into Cleve Getty's death recommended that they do. We also asked them what their response was in general to the criticism that they have received regarding their prison phone system and why they have not changed it. They sent us the following response. The terms of service in our contract with the Government of Ontario were specified by the Ministry in 2013. The contract expires in June, and we have submitted a new proposal in response to the current government's request. We couldn't comment further about this or any of our other business contracts other than the rates for operated assisted calls in Ontario correctional facilities are the same as Bell's public rates. That's your Canada Land episode. If you liked it, you can do something about that. You don't have to let that enjoyment of the episode live and die in your own head and existence. You can rate the show uh, on Apple Podcasts or somewhere else, or, you know, you like just tell somebody that you like the show somewhere, and then maybe we'll have another listener, and that would be good. You can email me about it at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. We're on Twitter at Canada Land. We have a website canadalandshow.com we post original news reporting there and we also have a new episode of oppo with jen gerson and her co-host this winter sandy garasino if you missed the first episode it's not too late this is a fantastic pairing and i learned a lot check out oppo this week this episode was produced by tiffany lamb kasha mihailovich is our senior producer our managing editor is kevin sexton and syndication is handled by cfuv 101.9 fm in victoria visit them online at cfuv.ca if you like the podcasts that we make, uh, this one or any of the other ones, if you want to get ad-free versions of all of them, if you want to help support independent journalism in Canada, you can do all that by going to patreon.com slash CanadaLand. I hope that you do. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.